This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Inside the Monster with Steve Peralt and Joey Capone. Alrighty, folks, another player interview for you today. If you looked at what we tweeted out earlier, if you're looking at your phone screen, it says J.D. Drew. That's because J.D. Drew is on the program today. 2007 World Series champion. A lot of people had ups and downs with their fan relationship with J.D., and we talked about everything. I think that's my biggest takeaway, Joey, is that J.D. didn't shy away from any questions. He gave us some really good stuff, gave us longer answers than I probably expected. Yeah. And it was a really good interview. Yeah, it was really good. And we we did ask him uh, loosely about how people, about the criticism that he received and about the, yeah. the people, like you said, the people that were up and down on him. And he didn't shy away from it. We talked about his college career. We talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think my my favorite thing, I wanted to really dive into the atmosphere at the park for ALCS game six before he hits the grand slam. And he gave us a little tidbit, Joey, that I did not know at all. So there's a nice little, he gave us really a lot of great stories. That one was probably my favorite where I didn't know this fun fact heading into that grand slam in game six against the Cleveland Indians back in 2007. So without further ado, we don't want to tease this too much. We want to jump right into it. Uh, I think it's about 40 minutes or so. Really great interview coming up here with Red Sox World Series champion, all-star game MVP last year at Yankee Stadium, J.D. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are joined by World Series champion himself, J.D. Drew. J.D., how you doing today? Good, fellas. How's it going? Going well, going well. Just wanted to start off because I'm very curious. My uh, co-host Joey and I 
of why your nickname's JD when your name is David Jonathan. We we don't have the reasoning yeah, that's for that. A, not, that's a really good question. Um, so years ago, when I was uh, a highly touted football player, I switched over to playing baseball and uh, had a, a, a lifelong dream to play at Florida State. Ended up in a baseball camp in Tallahassee, and Jamie Shoup was a recruiting coordinator. They had no idea – of who I was, a small-town guy from Hayhire, Georgia, little high school, Lowndes High School in South Georgia, but um, uh, really had a good showing, I guess, what would be known today as a showcase. I didn't realize it was a showcase, but uh, he wanted to recruit me. All my friends knew me as JD. Uh, he wanted to send some mail to the house and said, well, who do I title it? To? You know, what, who do I address it to? I said, just address it to me, JD, you know, and he said, well, I'm going to put J.D. Drew on there just so they have a last name. And I said, okay, that's kind of weird, but whatever. And uh, so it stuck. You know, when I went to Tallahassee, um, he knew me as J.D. And, and he knew me as J.D. Drew because that's who he put all his mail and, and addressed all his mail to for all the years and coming to me. And, and um, so it quickly stuck with, with everybody there in Tallahassee. And, of course, all my friends in high school were like, yeah, it doesn't even make sense, you know, having <laughs> having two last names thrown in there. But, you know, I guess I could have been named, you know, anything, Andrew or anything other than than David Jonathan, which really throws it throws it for a loop. But, um, um, yeah, that's kind of how the story starts. That's okay. That makes so a little more sense now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Jonathan Drew, Drew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there, okay. there, therein lies the problem. Jonathan Drew, right. Drew. My friends were like, "You got two last names. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah. Why did he do that?" And I'm like, "Well, long story, but um, yeah, there's there's the nuts and bolts of it." And then that's, stuck with it for life. I like that. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I do like sticking with it. Yeah. yeah, that's that is a good call. But you speaking of Florida State, I see that you hit 455 in 1997. What first? Just what is it like hitting 455 in a season? That's insane. That's, that's pretty nice to hit 455 in a season. Um, you know, if wish you could do it at every level every year. Um, but that was, you know, my goal when I went to Tallahassee was to have, a you know, just an above average freshman year and, you know, and then starting to really tick up, have a, have a good, you know, another above average sophomore year and then really try to do something stellar my, my junior year. Um, but when I got into the College World Series my freshman year, I hit a, a game-winning homer in game one and then hit three homers in, um, my I think, my third game there. Uh, it really just set my trajectory, you know, at a high angle. And then by the time I get to my junior season, uh, I was the Golden Spikes, you know, favorite, I think. I'm, I went to the Golden Spikes Award my sophomore year, saw the trophy, saw the experience, and I was like, man, I really want to win that trophy. Um and so my, my dream and my goal that year was to just kind of go out there and, and you know, I, I guess in the business sense of baseball, you know, you, you want to go play pro ball. You want to be highly touted. Uh, but I just was trying to trying to win that trophy and have the best year I could. And, and um, you know, I could run. I could steal bases. Uh, I was just trying to do things that, you know, hadn't been done before. And um, little did I know 30-30 in college, you know, was – really not even discussed, but I was able to achieve that and then uh, go back and win the win the Golden Spikes for my junior year. But, yeah, hitting 455 is, is a lot of fun. There's there's a lot more good days than there are bad days when you're doing that. 
Yeah, that is that is very true. Um, but no, quite a quite an accomplishment, honestly, to to pull that off. And a 30 30s. I think you're the first D1 player to do that, right? 30 homers, steal 30 bags. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's done it since. I may be the only guy that's ever done it just because of the timing of it. Um, but I was the first at that point in time. And, and I don't know. I hadn't looked it up. But I think somebody mentioned to me the other day that I may be the only guy that's ever done that. Jeez, love to see that. So you get drafted initially by the Phillies. You end up playing independent ball. Then you get drafted by the Cardinals. Drafted twice in the top five is rather insane. And I, I noticed, I never knew this about you that you get called up on September 8th, 1998, which is the day Mark McGuire breaks Roger Maris' single season home run record. What was that day? I mean, that's that should have been your day, and Big Mac kind of steals it a little bit from you. What was that experience yeah, like? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I guess everybody has their day. Um, of course, I had a lot of uh, notoriety coming out, and then having the long holdout with Billy, and and just dealing with all that. So, hmm. um, you know, it, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good memory to have to come into a game where. McGuire breaks the record. Uh, uh, David Howard is a uh, – he was scouting for the Red Sox, and I don't know where he's at now. But um, he was a player there with the Cardinals, and, and I had a good friend, Mark Little, that I'd been playing minor league ball with and got to know a little bit. And, and his uh, family was from Edwardsville, Illinois, and so we stayed at his house the night before, and we drove over to the game. Um you know, to be a part of the festivities of September the 8th and, and our first game in the big leagues. And, and uh, I'll never forget Howard said, you know, boys, it's not like this every day in the big leagues. And when we walked out into the to the grand stage of, of uh, uh, Bush Stadium there, we, we had uh, all the, the media from literally foul pole to foul pole and almost entire warning track deep from all over the world covering the games. And yeah, that's, that's pretty spectacular. So I don't know if they, if they were all there just to see me or if they wanted to see me <laughs> McGuire. I mean, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's kind of, that's some, that's my story. I'm sticking to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. The McGuire was the, the afterthought, you know, that was, was a side note, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. JD Drew's in the bigs. Who cares about the home yeah, run he's record? In the big leagues. He's finally here. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what did you but what did you do when he hits the homers since you're obviously the new guy there yeah did you did you dap him up or what was that what was that like yeah you know you you got to kind of you got to win some credibility with your teammates when you're when you're coming up as a rookie or a call up and of course I had you know uh some notoriety just from everything that had happened and and with Philly so um yeah we just kind of laid low it's kind of it's kind of the Will Ferrell moment where he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. You know, he's like, you're sitting there in the dugout and you're going, what do we do? Me looking at Mark and, and you're going, you know, I don't know. What do we, what do you do? Just stay out of the way. Don't do anything. Well, little did I know that I would actually play in the game. I, I thought that when he hit that home run, that that assured me that that day was not going to be the day that I broke into the big leagues. And, um, I think I can't remember uh, if it, I can't remember who came down, what coach came down and said, "Hey, you know, go get loose. You're gonna you're gonna hit for the pitcher. We're gonna have to make a double switch. We're gonna do something." And I went. I'll never forget. I went down and set up a tee in the in the uh, little tunnel right there, uh, and I was gonna hit a couple balls off the tee. And I put a, 
they had these little tiny baseballs for this tee work. And this is the only time I've ever seen it, but they had this tee that had like 30 different positions and little small baseballs. And I put this little baseball up there and swung and I, I hit the tee instead of the ball and knocked the tee into the net. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I just, you know, <laughs> take a couple swings and uh, I faced, uh, I got up for my first at bat and, and, uh, and, ultimately drew a walk we got punched out on strike three a, a, a pitch about a foot outside but I was happy to go back to the dugout and just kind of be over with and they told me to go play left field well of course I'd never played left field before and the other side noted this was Sammy Sosa was in the game and he was contending to try to catch McGuire and mm. break the record and do all that stuff so um, I, I don't know. Do you, do you, if you have the opportunity, do you jump over the fence and bring the home run back? I mean, what do you, certainly all these things playing in your mind as, as a, a young player coming in, but it was all, all good fun. We had a great time. And then the next night, uh, in Cincinnati, of course, is sold out, standing room only. They didn't know if McGuire was going to break the record that day. Um, I actually came in in a, in a double switch for McGuire or went into his spot in the lineup. And I don't think people realized that it had happened until he was coming back up to bat and he wasn't there anymore. It was me instead of him. And man, did, and did I ever get booed? I mean, I don't know if they were booing me because they didn't like me or if they just, the fact that it wasn't McGuire, I wasn't McGuire. So I don't know. Um, but I did end up hitting my home run. My first hit was a home run that game um, and wow. a massively long home run. So that was kind of cool. So I, I tried to live up to McGuire anyways, you know? And yet you had five bombs in 14 games in 98. So that's, yeah. uh, that's pretty ridiculous. That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You get on those hot streaks as a, as a, as a big league player. And it just so happened that as we were leaving Memphis, um, I had started kind of swinging the bat really well. And uh, just a lot of adrenaline, a lot of adrenaline when you get to the big league level and, and, uh, what I really liked about playing at that level, pitchers were, you know, very consistently around the zone. Um, and I actually found it uh, a little bit better for me because I'd been in the minor leagues where guys were very inconsistent throwing pitches all over the place and you're trying to, to uh, go up there and grind out, you know, quality at-bats. And then I got to the big leagues and pitchers knew what they wanted to do and, and I was able to take advantage of some good uh, – some good fastballs and some timely hitting at that point to kind of set my trajectory for sure. Mm -hmm. So you ended up playing uh, actually the, the most seasons of your career in St. Louis. How do you look back at that time of your career? Is there anything that, that stands out during that uh, time? Well, you know, you're young, you're learning, uh, just trying to, you know, build consistency. My first true full year in the big leagues was a struggle. Uh, I just – I couldn't get a rhythm going. I couldn't get my power swing. The league adjusted to me quicker than I adjusted to them. Uh, you know, just dealing with – you know, dealing with the media, the ups and downs of the game. Um, that's kind of how my first year uh, kind of unfolded. And then going into year two and three, year two was a much better year for me. I was able to establish, you know, some consistency and play in defense well at a high level and starting to understand, you know, the things that, you know, because you got to, if you go back, when I got to Tallahassee, I really didn't know how to play baseball. I could hit and I was just a, I was just a massively raw, raw talented guy. I had a lot of raw skills and coach Martin there really helped fine tune some of those, but still to be at the big league level, I needed development and, and LaRusso and all the guys there, um, 
you know, needless to say, had to get on to me quite a few times defensively being out of being out of position or throwing to the wrong base or doing things like that. But I learned a lot of that, you know, year, year one and two. Um, by the time you get to year three, uh, I think Pujols is on the scene. Me and him had a good little run at, at a, a home run race early. But uh, I developed really severe patella tendonitis that year, and it, it just, uh, you know, it kind of crippled me toward the end of the year. Um, but in the midst of all that, um, I was going into the all-star break with 20, 21 homers or something. I was just launching balls and David Wells, uh, threw a fastball inside. I was looking for something out over the plate, a slider down away and it broke my hand. Um, but I don't know how it would all unfolded with the way my knee was feeling and all the stuff that was going on, um, kind of let my knee heal up a little bit but when I came back by the end of the year my knee had started really kind of creeping up on me again then going into year four is when it got real bad and I had to get some surgery done um year five was a tough year there in St. Louis because of uh trying to get over the surgery um but all those years were stepping stones going into the trade into Atlanta and then playing for LA and then of course coming to to Boston and having you know five full years there yeah. So it, speaking of injuries, uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, the people who get critical of players in moments like that? You know, do you think fans kind of have an unrealistic expectation of how hard it can be to play when you're not healthy? Well, baseball is, you know, a little bit different. Uh, I even had some criticisms from doctors about, you know, things that they thought you could play through, but if you're a football player, yeah, you probably could play through some of this stuff. Um, Baseball injuries, uh, back injuries, things like that when you're in a rotational sport. Um, you know, it, it's hard enough to go out there when you're healthy and try to hit 300 when you're, when you're you know, got something going on. And, and for me, the injuries were, uh, were pretty substantial in the fact that, um, you know, I had some early on injuries that were just stupid. Jeff Kent deked me one time. Um, I should have known better. There was no way the throw was coming to second. But when you turn your back on the play and you think, oh, heck, the ball's coming. And he did this little deep move. Well, I lunged at the base. And when I did, I rolled my ankle and really messed up my Achilles. And I just couldn't, you know, as much as I wanted to get out there and be able to run and do things, I just it just wouldn't go away. Um, and they are lingering. And, and, you know, you think, okay, guy rolled his ankle. Oh, here we go again. Um, and maybe he's out two weeks maybe he's out six weeks we didn't know it took a little bit longer um but when you break bones in your hand you break bones in your wrist um really nothing you can do as a baseball player because i couldn't throw i couldn't swing the bat um the knee injury in st louis uh you know it, it plagued me it actually ultimately took mcguire out of the game he he just he had to give up because his patella tendonitis mine fortunately um I was able to recover at a high level and be able to run full full on again, um, which was one of the strengths of my game. But yeah, you can, you know, you can be, you know, critical, but I, I understand, you know, we do get paid a lot of money to be out there on the field and play the game. And, um, you know, fans want to see the team at full capacity. So I understand where they're coming from, but I think every player uh, certainly has things that come up that are just kind of out of your control and you try to deal with them the best you can at the time, you know? 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned, you get traded to the Braves in 04. You have a career year over 1,000 OPS. I think finished sixth in MVP voting. Uh, You then sign with the Dodgers and opt out after 06. And that leads us to the Red Sox. What led you to signing your deal with Boston and how tough a decision was that? Um, You know, the toughest decision was whether to opt out of L.A. and leave a bunch of money on the table. Yeah. Um, But working with Boris and me and him have been close for years and just the understanding of the free agent market. There's very few times as a player that you have the opportunity and you actually have the control of your contract. And, And in that scenario, I had the player option unlike a, a team having the team option. Um, and I think uh, one of the media guys in, in L.A. wrote a great story because uh, there was some, you know, animosity from the ownership or at least GM and people there in L.A. about me opting out. And the article said, you know, y'all had the, uh, you know, the option for Eric Gagne, whether to renew his contract or opt out. And you guys opted out because he had a bad year, you know I mean? So should we expect you guys to, J.D., have a good year and, and just go, well, okay, I like you guys, I'm going to stay. Mm-hmm. And my hope initially was that L.A. would step up and, you know, give me a longer-term contract, maybe a no-trade clause, and I could have some security. Um, they had a lot of good up-and-coming outfielders. And, and, you know, as you get older in your career, the last thing you want to do is be shuffled around and handed off a bunch of different times. Um you know, when you got a family and everything. And, and I, so those things were in my mind. Um, but there were also opportunities that I knew I had had a really good year and um, there could be other suitors as well. Um, I didn't know who it would be. Uh, there were some indications that Boston may be interested and in, in some other teams uh, possibly. But when I hit the open market there, I guess, you know, with Theo and the way everybody was thinking at the time, um, you know, on-base percentage, you know, was was critical. Guys, you know, turning over the lineup, drawing walks, uh, productive defensively. Um, I, I checked all the boxes there. And so I was intrigued, you know, certainly um, as things unfolded, there were other teams out there as well. But uh, Boston was, you know, for me, going to be the most lucrative. But also, um, I had just heard a lot of good things about the ownership in Boston. I'd heard a lot of good things about the city, the way that, they uh, they handled the players, provided for the families, and, you know, ultimately all of that ended up ringing true over the time that we were there in Boston. I, it was probably when we went to sign there um, of, all, you know, of course I was traded to Atlanta, but I signed in L.A. and then opted out and then signed in, in, in Boston. It was one of the best experiences from the way they just treated us coming in at the hotel, jerseys from – all the, the venues there in town, football and basketball, and they left things for the kids. Jack was real young at the time. And, and uh, it, it was just, it was a great experience from that standpoint, for sure. Yeah, 2007, obviously a lot happens. You're the only player in MLB history to be part of multiple back-to-back-to-back-to-back home run situations. I obviously care most, Joey and I being Sox fans. Uh, Red Sox-Yankees, April 22nd, 2007. You guys are down 3 nothing in the third inning on Sunday Night Baseball. Manny hits a bomb, as he's known to do. You come up, you hit one over the Red Sox bullpen. Absolute blast as well. Uh, and then, obviously, Mike Lowell and Jason Veritek hit a couple home runs up into the monster. But after you hit that second home run, what's the vibe like in the dugout of, like, how, how long 
they, they, I would assume they think, okay, back to back, it's probably stopping here. It's not like we're yeah. just kind of keep hitting home runs all over the place. What's the attitude and the vibe like when you hit the third with Lowell and then the fourth with Veritech? That was pretty nuts. Yeah, you know, you and I don't know, you have to go back because I'm number two in the scenario on both of the four home run, yeah. you know, back to back to back to back home run scenarios. Um, the one in L.A. is a little bit different. You know, everybody was leaving the game. We were playing. We were losing. Um, and we do it late in the game. And then, of course, we come back and win the game. I think Nomar hits a, 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 a walk-off in the 10th. But um, this scenario was, you know, kind of unique in the fact that, you know, like you said, when you get to number – you're back-to-back, okay, cool. Um, then the third one goes out, you know, I immediately – recognize okay wait a minute i've done i've been in this scenario before you know and um to to see it happen uh just in that close proximity to to what i had the year before um i don't know it's pretty cool it's pretty ecstatic especially like you said it's against the yankees uh there's a lot of uh a lot a lot of history there that's an understatement but uh for for us as a team um you know, I, I don't know if it really sets in until you talk about it more. And here we are in 2022 still talking about it. I think that's the most, uh, you know, the mo- the greatest recognition is, man, it just, just doesn't happen very often. And uh, to be a part of it a couple times is pretty special for sure. Absolutely. And then we fast forward to the ALCS against the Indians. An ALCS that I feel like deserves more credit. You guys were so good in 07. I think it's like, oh, yeah, they won the World Series. Like, no, they were down 3-1 yeah. to one against Cleveland, have to win game five in Cleveland. If I'm not mistaken, Beckett pitches that game, and they had his ex sing the national anthem. That was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> we, we, we get back uh, to game six at Fenway. Bases loaded in the first inning, and you could just feel like the game was on the line right there. It might sound a little silly because it's the first inning, but a lot of momentum. The crowd's going nuts. Manny comes up. He strikes out. Mike Lowell flies out to right. My dad tells me, and confirm confirm this or deny this, but he was at that game, and I remember him saying that J.D. came up, and it was just like it was a different vibe at the park, and then boom, you hit the grand slam. In the air to center, well hit. Back is Sizemore, grand slam through. And with one swing, he erased an entire season filled with frustration, both for him and these fans here at Fenway. Did that feel like it was your first stop? Does that feel like it's your the best swing, most important swing of your career? And just what was that entire moment like at Fenway Park? Because you draw, the, I believe you draw a three-one count, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is," and then bang, grand slam. Yeah, I'll have to give you a little background on this this swing and, and just how we end up here at this position. Um, the night before, well, the game before, yeah, Beckett pitched. We had Sabathia against Beckett. Um, they really needed to close the deal out. Beckett threw an absolute gem. Bobby Kilty played right field against Sabathia. I didn't start against him. Uh probably because I struck out three times with three straight at bats against him <laughs> earlier in the year on all slide. I think he threw me nine sliders. I swung at every one of them. Jeez, um, nine sliders. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, but I was, I, Sabathia came out of the game. So I was going into the game and uh, I had just felt, you know, I typically swing a C243 model bat, which is a bigger barrel, 34, 32. I swung at my home career. 
but I just wouldn't, I just couldn't felt like the bat was lagging a little bit and Kilty had a, a C271, which is a, a much smaller barrel bat, a little bit more balanced, same weight, swing weight, 34, 31 and a half, 32. And it just felt good in the dugout. And I said, Hey man, can I, let me just try this out. And, and he's like, yeah, take whatever you need. So I, I go up and, and when Sabathia comes out of the game, I go into the game with Kilty's bat and, and, I come up the bat and I smoke a double off the left center field wall, just, just left of center field. And I look in the dugout and we're laughing because here I am with Kilty's bat. And I'm thinking, man, that felt pretty good. It's first real solid hit I'd had in a while. Well, fast forward to game six and we're at home and bases get loaded. And, you know, there, there is pressure mounting. We need to win this game. I had had a crazy year. Uh, just trying to adjust to the American League. And, um, you know, I know fans, you know, see the up and down. They wanted me to come in there and be stellar. I just had not had the power year that I'd like to have. I've been dealing with a lot of stuff with my son, just midseason, things like that, just all added up. But here we are in the postseason, and we had a really good baseball team. We were We were good. I felt like performing defensively. I felt great in Fenway Park. But when bases are loaded and you're about to come up to bat, you're thinking, okay, you got Ramirez and Lowell coming up. Surely we're going to be up two to nothing, you know. At least. One, yeah. one to nothing. I mean, what? so the pressure's not on me anymore. And I think, and, and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, I think either Manny struck out, Mike popped up, or, you know, vice versa. That's, that's what like, it was. Oh. Manny struck out and Lowell popped out, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, <laughs> these people are already mad. They're mad at me for the year I've had. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, I can't let something crazy go here. But the thing is, I'm on deck. I didn't know whether it was a fluke with the C-271 from Bobby Kilty's bat stash or should I take mine. So I'm in this dilemma in the dugout even before I go on deck. And I'm like, well – since we're going to be up two to nothing, I'm going to take Kilty's bat up there. And so when 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 Manny strikes out, I'm like, well, Mike's going to come up big. We're going to have a couple runs, at least a run. Mike's going to at least get a sack fly or something's going to happen. So I'm standing on deck swinging this two, 271, and, you know, and then Mike pops up, and I'm like, man, do I did I make the right decision, you know? And, and of course, you know, one of my gifts is working the zone and, and, you know, I was talking to Mike Lowell not too long ago and he said, JD, you would walk 150 times a year with the strike zone the way it is now, because, yeah. you know, it, it got so bad at the end of my career and, and they were hammering me on calls that were so bad that I needed to, I had to leave the guy it was driving me nuts. Cause what I could do was draw walks. And, um, anyways, I go up to bat with the, with the mindset of, you know, this guy's a power sinker guy, get a ball up over the plate. Of course I get the three, one count. And, and yes, that is a very monumental home run in my career. There are a handful of those. Um, that one is the one you hang your hat on because we needed to win big time in that game. Um, but I just, it was almost the identical swing and everything to the, if you go back to game five, that I had in that game and the ball ended up in almost the same exact position. Um, but it just ended up out of the park because, you know, where we were at there in Fenway, I was a little, maybe a little bit shorter, uh, than the wall, especially it's a little bit deeper there in Cleveland. Um, but then you go to the very next at bat that I had against him. I almost killed the guy with the, 
you know, we, I think it was going second or something, or, you know, I don't know. I hit a ball so hard up the middle, um, and we go up five to nothing, and we win that game. Of course, we win game seven. But one of the things as a player that you really want to accomplish is, is, and what I always live for was the postseason. Man, you love the postseason. I was fortunate to play in the postseason a lot. And in those scenarios, you just won't, you, you don't necessarily have to have, you don't have to have the 300 batting average or the 400 batting average. You just have to have the big hits yeah. and in, in big situations. And I think here in Boston, um, I was able to have a lot of fun in the postseason with some monumental big hits and big situations. Had one against uh, Tampa, had another one mm-hmm. out against the Angels. We just a lot of fun in that. But that one there kind of was uh, the culmination of a lot of struggle for me that year um, that kind of, you know, solidified me you know for that season to say okay you know what the year didn't go as well as I'd wanted it to I finished with a strong surge at the end um, but to to get to the postseason to hit that ball in that situation was big was real big I, I think of the 07 postseason I think of that swing that that is the first thing that comes to mind because it was a monumental swing and it just I know it's in the first inning but it just sets the tone of oh we we got this now now we're gonna win tonight going to win tomorrow and go on to the World Series because there was still a lot of doubt. You know, you're coming off a game five win sweet. You force it back to Fenway, but you still got to win two games in elimination fashion. And they both end up being blowouts, if I'm not mistaken. But um, yeah, that was that was special, man. Just as a fan to watch that, that swing was incredible. And that that team was was a ton of fun. From your perspective, what was your favorite part of the 07 team? I personally think that gets in the four World Series title teams. 07 deserves more credit than it gets. It's just you guys were so good in terms of how you handled start to finish. I think the ALCS gets forgotten a little bit of how it was, you know, a 3-1 deficit. What sticks out for you in that, that 07 team? Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, playing in Fenway. It's just the, the mystique of the park and the way it lays out and just how much fun it is to play there. But you know, the manual scoreboard out there. And I'll, I'll never forget looking at the standings and thinking, you know, at some point, I mean, I don't even know what the record was. We were 30 and nine or something. We were just, it was yeah. just lights out. And I'm like, yeah. I remember thinking, man, we are a good baseball team. I mean, because I had never, I don't think I'd ever really paid attention to the standings until, you know, you see who's in first play. Every time you go to Fenway, you can see, you know, all the, the ALE standings up there, where you're at, what the numbers are. And and for me, I, I just remember seeing that a bunch going, man, we are playing some good baseball because we're winning a lot of ball games. Um, and then you and then you get to the postseason. I mean, I think every every inclination for us, uh, you know, we, we were going to go to the postseason. How do we win when we get there? And, um, you know, for Beckett to pitch game five the way he did to get us in back to Fenway, um, to close it out in Fenway in that kind of fashion, uh, to be to be a part of it with a big swing like that, and and to do those things um, that whole year for me, that whole year is kind of a blur in the sense that you know I was in a transition year to the American League. Uh, my son Jack had bilateral hip dysplasia. Uh, we didn't. We found out kind of toward the m- midsummer and. He had a massive seven-hour surgery, and I had to go on a two-week road trip. He's in a full-body cast. I mean, it was just a steamroll of uh, of events. My wife was pregnant with our second in, in Ella, and so she's maintaining all that with him, and I'm trying to figure this out and going through some of those uh, ups and downs. It was uh, 
it was, uh, you know, one of those seasons that you look back on and you're like, you know, you're, you're in the situation where you, you have a big swing. Uh, you go to the World Series. Of course, Colorado had been lights out and dominating everybody that, that last month and into the postseason. Um, and then I just think because the momentum we had, I'll never forget Manny in, in Cleveland, just like, hey, guys, what's the big deal? You know, we, know. we either – I know that didn't go over either, so great with the media. It didn't, <laughs> no, it doesn't go over. But, it, but in reality, that's what it is. It's like, okay, yeah. what's the worst thing that's going to happen here? We're going to lose this game and we're going to go home. Off seasons are good. Get ready for next year. Be ready to come back and win. Or let's just go out there and win this game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not you – know, so – I mean, ultimately, it is sports, and everybody's competitive. But I think because of that relaxed kind of attitude and Beckett's, you know, demeanor out there on the mound, he just he give me the ball, I'm ready to go, you know. And and everybody just, you know, took it upon ourselves in that clubhouse to stick tight together. And I think because of what Boston had been through, you know, three years earlier with the 04 team and being down and seeing that you can come back from any deficit, um, kind of solidified the fact that. You know, we, we had a kind of a, a laid-back attitude and um, going into it and a, and a relaxed attitude, which some teams you see get, you know, too intense and too tight and they don't play well. We we played really well those last three games against Cleveland. And ultimately, Colorado didn't stand a chance when they ran into us because we'd been competing and they'd been kind of on a, you know, a week-long hiatus. And I, I, I really felt like – I think I even told uh, Coco or somebody in the outfield when they were doing drill, I said, man, how's this team going to beat us when they hadn't played in a week, you know, I mean, because competition at baseball, you you got to be competitive almost every day, day in and day out. When you get a long time off, it's hard to come back and get going, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys definitely seemed like uh, you know a cohesive uh, cohesive group. Who who would you say you were closest with on that 07 team? Um, you know, inevitably being an outfielder, you're going to connect with your outfielders, but uh, I mean. That team was such, you know, a good team of guys to get along with. I mean, you know, me and Beckett had the commonality of going deer hunting and having deer farms. And, and so, you know, me and Beckett were, you know, good close friends. And, and Veritek was, a, you know, I, I don't know. It's just me and Coco really had a good connection. Um, I just – I remember that team. Um, if there was a team dinner and somebody said, hey, let's all go grab a steak or something, I mean, there was 15 of us there. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. – wasn't just one or two of us, you know, and I think that just kind of shows that, you know, there are very few teams where you didn't just connect. That team, you could connect with almost everybody, and that was how it kind of was the whole time I was there in Boston. A lot of teams, you, you connect with one or two guys, and you hang with those kind of couple guys most of the time, you know, off the field, and then, you know, in the dugouts and stuff, you're just kind of hanging. But um, I don't know, there was something, and I think there probably still is something in Boston where the teams – just connect in a different way, you know. I mean, you guys could speak more to that now in the in the the recent past. I just know that when I was there for those five years, it just seemed like whether it was Lowell or Manny or Pop Poppy or you know Euclid or whoever. I mean, we were just always everybody got along really well. Was always cutting up, just checking in, you know. Yeah, it kind of still yeah. seems like the vibe now. I don't know if it's the the Fenway atmosphere or the fans. It, it does seem to be a, a tight-knit group basically every season. I know you win the All-Star Game MVP in 2008, your only All-Star Game. I, I love that a Red Sox player wins the All-Star Game when it's the last year of Yankee Stadium. That was nice. Uh, but you, hit, <laughs> you, you, you hit the two-run home run there. 2-1 pitch is ripped into right at the wall. This ball is gone. 
tie game two run shot J.D. Drew first time all star second season with the Red Sox and he ignites that AL bench with that shot to right off Volquez and I read somewhere that Tito was potentially going to bring you in to pitch because that game goes 15 innings yeah. and it ends around 1.30 in the morning after you draw a walk and, and then a run gets driven in there for the American League. What was your top takeaway from that whole experience and, and playing at Yankee Stadium there for an All-Star game? Yeah, there lies another one of the, you know, you speak of monumental hits and home runs. That's, that's another um, that would check the box for me. We were uh, – we were, of course, Tito and and all of us were there, uh, being the winner of the World Series the year before. Uh, we're in the dugout, and and uh, I really didn't know if I'd play in the game or not. You know, you see sometimes where guys get down to the to the end of the lineups, and you're just trying to fit a guy in a place. And and I remember asking Tito, I don't know if it was the day before or the day of. I said, Hey, man, you know, what's the game plan? Do you think you know it's not really a big deal? I'm just happy to be here. Actually, matter of fact. He had come to me and, and asked earlier, uh, I, you know, I know he gets to select some people. And I had had such a good year in 08, and I, and I hit third in the lineup there when, when Poppy was out and hit a bunch of home runs. And he said, do you, do you have a high desire to be on this team, on an all-star team? I said, Tito, I've had a chance to make the all-star team on three – you know, this would be the third occasion. Had a really good year in St. Louis going, and I broke my hand. I didn't get put on the team. Uh, I had a, an incredible year in Atlanta, and I got left off the team of a, on, a, on a loophole, on a vote-in. Um, Bobby Cox was furious about it. And, and then this 08, I had an opportunity, I felt like, to be an all-star. And I told him, I said, you know, what, at, at whatever level, I'd like to go tell my kids one day that, yeah, I was an all-star, you know. And he said, okay, I just wanted to know that. Well, little did he know that the players had voted me in, which was, a you know, even more of a compliment, I think, of the year I'd had. And so I was really proud of that. But I didn't know if I'd play. And he said, look, we only got six outfielders in the game. Each row's going to lead off or do whatever he's going to hit. And when he comes out of the game, you'll go in. I said, okay, cool. So, of course, he comes out of the game. I, I don't know if he took two or three at-bats, but – I forget, you guys have to call the name of who I hit the home run against, but he's in the bullpen getting warmed up. And I talked to Dave Mag and I said, look, man, I hope they bring him in because we'd faced him in Cincinnati. And Velasquez, he right? Was it Velasquez? Who, who was yeah, it? Yeah, that sounds kind of right. Some, yeah, that may be right. That sounds I'll, I'll, right. I'll find out. I'll find out. Yeah, yeah, I had to look at it. But anyways, we had played them in Cincinnati, and, and I was really, really good at picking up you know, pitchers, pitches, if they tip where they did a little funny thing in their glove, fan their glove, you know, just anything. So I was always looking for stuff and I had his pitches and I had hit a couple doubles or triples against him in Cincinnati. And I was like, man, I hope they, hope they bring that guy in. And everybody else is like, why would you want to face him? You know, he's throwing 97 and he's doing all I'm like, man, cause I think I got his pitches. And, you know, of course he comes in the game and there's a guy on base and I'm like, man. And I mean, he, I knew exactly when he when he held his glove a certain way. Here comes the heater, and I was able to get the barrel out there and hit that home run. And like you said, in Yankee Stadium, of all places, uh, you know, I go back out in the outfield, and and a bunch of Yankee fans there and got tickets and bleacher bums or whoever's out there, and they were like, you know, cheered for us a little bit, and and you know, immediately said, Drew, you better never get used to this. This is the last time. 
this is never going to happen again, you know. And I, <laughs> but they were excited, you know. We had a chance that we got a new ball game and play, and and yeah, to go into uh, the scenario where uh, I get another hit, still a base, draw a big walk in the the last inning there, ultimately ultimately to a, a end up in a sack fly in the next next batter. But, uh, yeah, I was going to go – I'd always messed around with Tito because I had a really, really good knuckleball that I used to throw, and it was slightly different than Wakefield's. Mine was just really hard. And uh, I used to warm up with Manny in the bullpen. He's like, man, that thing is nasty. And I was like – you know, we were just – because he'd come out there and warm me up in right field. Manny was the bullpen catcher, and we'd throw. And he's like, man, you, you need to go out there and try. And I'd always kid at Tito, like, hey, when you need somebody on the mound – let me go out there and give it a whirl. You know, I, I think I can do this, you know. Um, and then fast forward to this all-star game and here uh, I'm looking at Magan or somebody in the day. I'm like, Hey, uh, what, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Or, or might've been Gerard. I can't remember who was in the dugout. I said, you know, what are we going to do? I saw David Wright getting warmed up down there. He's like, well, you're going in to pitch. And I laughed. I said, yeah, I've always kidded Tito about pitching. He goes, no, you're going to go pitch. You're going to end the game. And I'm like, oh, man, we got to win this game quick, you know. <laughs> we got to score some runs right now. I don't know about pitching in the All-Star game, you know. Um, you know, somebody made reference after the game, like, you know, would that have been fair to your brother? You know, he pitched, you know, three or four years in the big leagues. He never got to pitch in an All-Star game. And here you are pitching in an All-Star game. Would that have been fair? I'd have been like, well, yeah, it'd have been fair. I was in the All-Star game, you know? Yeah. Who, um, also, who gives a damn if it's fair or not? If you get to pitch an All-Star yeah, game, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> my brother doesn't care. He'd be like, man, this is crazy. My brother's pitching the All-Star game, you know? Um, <laughs> know. But that was that was literally the end, and we ended up getting the bases loaded, and he, you know, sack fly, and we win the game. So, um, yeah. I don't know, man. There's kind of some uh, – underlying you know regret that we won as quickly as we did in 15 <laughs> i'm like man maybe we could have maybe we could have just extended it a little longer see what i'd have had on the mound you know um but uh, i mean nah, it's, I, I, it was a couple of things were, first i would say uh, volquez edison edison volquez uh with the yep, reds that's and exactly i got i got him mixed up with vince velasquez somehow um but yeah you it was funny watching the replay back of the fifth 15th inning because tito's sweating bullets He's he's looking out there like I don't I want think everybody to was sweating bullets. No, oh big time. It was just noticeable because they had the camera on him, and it's like I don't yeah. want to put a position player into the all-star game and get him hurt, and then he's the guy that did it. So um granted, well, that, that's probably that, why it would have been you. I'm gonna hurt hey, I'm gonna hurt a red Sox. I'm gonna hurt my guy, not somebody <laughs> else, you know. I know. But I'm yeah. confident that if I'd have got in there now, I may not have gotten any outs, but um yeah. I would have went in there and did, you know, I'd have thrown some knuckleballs up there. It'd have been fun. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm kind of upset we never got that. One quick thing. We only got a couple more for you. One quick thing on the all-star game. Do you think it's crazy that that decided home field in the world series for 14 years? That's a little bit, I, I think it's nuts personally. Did you, uh, did you players think it was a little bizarre? Uh, I thought it was bizarre when they, when they implemented it. I think it, um, I think it did give some purpose to the all-star game. You know, I think um, certainly in that game, it was for us, it was going to be big. We had a chance to, you know, have a good team and, you know, we want to go back. It, it, would it be better to be the host of the the world series versus the, you know, the, the visitor? Yeah. I mean, we, we wanted to host it if we could. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm with you guys. It's just, it seems kind of weird. There is something kind of, uh, 
I guess it's my childhood and watching baseball and, and seeing teams, um, you know, depending, you know, you just rotate it American national every year and you just, you know, swap it up. But I don't know. I think because of what happened, what, what it was, Milwaukee that Milwaukee, that happened yeah. in. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and then they just kind of, it, it threw in the towel and said, okay, we'll give you something. Try to keep these guys a little bit more motivated. I mean, I mean, watch the pro bowl. I mean, what are these guys doing in football? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, at least we're out there competing, you know. I mean, we're not – it's not like they're cashing in the chips and, and not playing the game. I mean, it is it is fun to be a part of the All-Star game. And I can – I just know baseball players. It's – you know, it doesn't ultimately affect your, your overall stats, but you don't want to go into an All-Star game and look like a fool, you know. I mean, yeah. you're going to go out there and play the game, you know, decently, effectively, as much as you – you know, as hard as you can. And, and But, I mean, you're facing the, the best of big league. You know, typically, you know, everybody would tell you that if the pitchers are on, man, they, they usually dominate trying to get that one mistake out over the plate to make them pay. But I don't know. Did they implement anything new when they – did they do – I guess they did away with that. Did they try to fix it any other way? No, I, I don't I don't think they've – you know, since like 2017, I think it's just a normal all-star game, which is kind of what it always – uh, should have been honestly, but one last one last moment I did want to relive with you, JD, and you had alluded yeah. to it earlier. Was that ALCS in 2008 and the game five at Fenway Park, which I remember getting in for under face value. There were a lot of people that didn't have the faith there uh, after coming off a World Series. I think people thought it was going to end at Fenway. The Rays had dominated you guys in games three and four, so I understand it from that standpoint, but. Game five felt a lot like the same. Razor up seven to nothing in the seventh inning, and you guys find a way to turn it around. Poppy hits the three run shot. All of a sudden, it's seven to four. Then you come up with the runner on in the eighth inning, hit a blast. It almost felt like everyone was kind of willing that moment to happen, and then it happens. Fenway's going absolutely nuts. And ninth inning, you hit the walk off. Euclid's the potential winning run at second. 3 1. Swing, line drive, right field. We're going to Tampa. What's going through your head during that from seventh inning on? Because obviously you guys didn't want your season to end right there. Yeah, I think, you know, I remember, I think it was Coco and Jason Bay in the outfield with me. If I'm not mistaken, we were losing. Could I don't think, I don't think it was Ellsbury at the time. Um, you know, we're just we're trying to figure out, you know, man, what do, can we can we come back and win this game? Can we, you know, what's going to happen here? But um, in the scenario we'd always been in there in Boston, there was there was uh, even when there was just you know, you thought there was no chance. There was in the postseason, there was no uh, for us, there was no giving up, and you just grind out at bats. And we had been, and I think. All five years that I'd been there, it was always a, a uh, the critical nature of the lineup was to just turn it over to the next guy. Whether you draw a walk, whether you you know hit a home run or whatever, it's just grind out at bats, let the next guy do it. You know, and we started doing that. Um, what was the guy's name? Was that Howell that I hit the the walk off against? I think. Um, anyway, yeah, they, I, had, they brought him they have, in, and I they just, had Grant. Grant Balfour, I think he was one of the guys too. But I think you hit it off of Howell, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Howell, they brought the lefty in. Uh, Balfour, man, he gave our guys fits, and he was one of the worst tipping pitchers I've ever seen in my life. And I tried to tell the guys, and 
Some of them wanted to hear it. Pedroia was like, no, don't tell me, don't tell me. I mean, some guys <laughs> want to know, some guys don't. Um, but uh, Howell was the guy that I ended up, you know, I think the home run I hit, I can't remember who it was against. Um, I, I don't know if I'd ever hardly ever gotten a hit off of that guy. And then I hit a home run in the postseason. And they bring Howell in. I was 12, like, oh, I man, believe. this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nothing off of him. And then Howell, I, I always had good at-bats against. I just saw the ball well off of him, even though he's lefty. And it was almost like when they brought him in the game, I was like, oh, this game is over. You know, it's like, oh, here we go. He's going to throw me this. And when I hit the ball, I'm like, oh, yeah, they had the infield or the outfielders in just a little bit. I was like, yeah, that's it. It's over his head. We're going to win. Um, but, yeah, we were, we were down, and it was kind of like, okay, if we lose this game, we go home. Um, but, hey – Let's just let's grind out, you know, grind out bats out, see what's going to happen, and and then you know ultimately going over and and uh, we went back over to uh, Tampa, and that's when Price struck me out on a pitch that was away uh, that I still would argue about. But, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, these things. So there are monumental hits in your life, and then there's other things in your life you just never forget. You're like, man, that guy really robbed me on that, you know. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a pretty cool game. Um, you know, I think another one of the be- better games or, or big hits that I had was in, uh, in Anaheim Yep. off of K-Rod. Um, game two, right? But I, yeah, I don't know if it was game two, ninth inning. We were, we needed a big hit. Anyways, I, I just had had such a bad back and I couldn't get anything established. And if you go back and watch, I think one of my swings before I hit the home run, it just looked terrible. And mm. uh, how in the world I, I hit the ball where I hit it and uh, it, it ends up out of the park. But it was just – it was laughable because you get Manny and Poppy in the dugout and we're all jumping around and here I got a bad back. And I, it's just <laughs> – so all these things, man. I mean, they're, they're great. I, I got such great memories of, of playing with the guys in Boston and, and the teammates there and – some of those big hits, but a lot of that stuff happened in the postseason, and um, yeah, you know, something I can hang my hat on for sure. A lot of fun. So, just just one last question here before we ask you our uh, our trivia question: uh, What is life like post baseball for JD Drew? Uh, are you back in Georgia? I know you come from a small hometown. Are you back in that yeah. area? Yeah, I'm in Georgia. We got five kids now. We had two when I played. We had Jack and Ella. We had three. Shortly after I retired and got out of the game, um, Lucy, Henry, and John, um, they're the ones outside my truck trying to jump in here because they all want to go hit baseballs right now. Uh, it's <laughs> summer break. They're off of school. We're 100 miles an hour. I don't know. I think I'm, you know, as, as busy as we were with traveling baseball and doing all the things, man, my life is so busy right now with these kids and my, my oldest son, Jack. He's he's trying to play ball and do some fun things, and so – we got summer scheduled coming up, and, and I'm still highly active here in our local church, hanging out with my brothers, just doing different things, hunting and fishing. Same things we always did, just it seems like at a faster pace. So we always close our interviews with a trivia question that is about the person that we are interviewing. So in that 2008 All-Star <laughs> game where you won the MVP, who drove in that game-winning run on a sack fly after oh you took the walk gosh. to load the bases in the 15th inning? Do you know who hit the sack fly? I thought you said this was about me. I was the MVP. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's somewhat of it, – it involves you a little bit because you draw the walk and then this uh, guy – Justin Morneau. No, it was Michael Young. It's Michael Young. Shoot. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, this from your perspective, it's not really a trivia question about you. I mean, it, it had yeah. it had something to do no, with you. I probably could have come up with you were near. <laughs> yeah. But uh, JD, thank you so much for doing this, man. This was awesome. You gave us a ton of your time, and Red Sox Nation loves hearing from you, man. This was really great that you did this. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. A lot of fun for sure. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Take care, man. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, that was our interview with J.D. Drew. A lot of props to J.D., by the way, Joey. He did the interview in his car. So J.D. seems like he's just a full-time dad now. He's got a lot of young kids. And I think that was the only quiet place he had was in his car. So um, I respect that. Yeah, he, he definitely like pulled over to the side of the road to talk to us that was that was pretty cool but man he, but he was like outside living... his house though that that was the was thing he? I, I, yeah he was because he said his kids were banging on the door so unless his kids are just chasing oh. him down the street um <laughs> but no I, yeah. I think i think that was a cool part of it where it's like yeah i, I can do video but it's got to be in my car in the driveway <laughs> yeah man he seems like he's living the life when he was talking about what he's doing down there being a retired ball player living in you know your, your home city or nearby and you know couple kids playing ball helping out you know being involved in the community just living dude that that sounds like the dream that sounds great i know well it is funny that i guess not funny but i always just find it interesting when the kid also wants to be the the dad like his his son wants to play ball and he probably wants to be a big leaguer like I did too, Joey. I, I think mm-hmm. when did I realize I wasn't going to actually play in the majors? So well, you wanted to that follow mo- in your dad's footsteps. Yeah, exactly. My yeah. dad played short for the Sox. People, people, um, you don't talk enough about how your dad is um, Dante Bichette. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's why I, I jab at Bo and how he tries to be too cool because he's actually my brother. Because he's your brother. He's your brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that makes a lot more sense now. But no, shout out to JD. He gave us a lot of good stuff there, man. I, I love going down, you know, taking a trip down memory lane. Those teams were the 07 team was just a uh, huge for a lot of reasons for winning the World Series, but I, I think it's for a specific point in time in, in Red Sox history because it, it doesn't get mentioned to the same degree as the other World Series. And I remember being a senior in high school and, and going to a couple of those playoff games. I got grounded for skipping school going to one of those playoff games. That run was an all-time fun time to follow, and I think it gets – I don't want to say forgotten. I don't want to say it gets forgotten, but it it, it kind of – gets a little lost in the shuffle when you're going through the montage of like Red Sox World Series titles this century. Yeah, and there's some pretty uh, solid logic as to why that is, being that there's, you know, the curse year, the the marathon year, and then, you know, the unstoppable greatest team of all time. I know. So it, it does make sense from a logical standpoint, but it absolutely shouldn't be forgotten. Um, I'm not going to glaze over the fact that, did you say you got grounded as a senior in high school? Oh, that's a whole, that's a tease for a later, a later day. Yeah. That's the story right. for we'll, a later day. Yeah. We'll have a getting grounded at ITM. Yeah. Short. Actually, that would be a good <laughs> short. I'm not even, not even kidding, but, uh, but yeah, that'll do it. That will do it for this interview episode. Uh, once again, shout out to JD Drew, shout out to the Red Sox. And um, yeah, we'll have a lot more of those coming up in the near future. A lot more alumni interviews. Hopefully we'll get some guys on the active roster it helps that they're winning some ball games so um got to get back to winning ball games right it was may was cold hot cold that was the may recap now it is june and now it is time to go for joey capone i am steve peralt go Sox kid Inside the Monster is a production of Odyssey in partnership with the Boston Red Sox. The show is produced by me, Steve Peralt. Our executive producer is Lena Glazer. Mixing and video editing by Joey Capone. Special thanks to the Red Sox and Major League Baseball for their contributions to the production of this podcast. Podcast.